0: The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Good
1: morning. Um, Today's passage comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. And if you're following in the Black Bibles, you can find that on page 837. Mark one 29 through 29-39. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. The word of the Lord.
0: Thanks, Don. Well, we are continuing our trek through the gospel according to Mark. We find ourselves here in chapter 1 still, sermon series called king and the cross, Mark wants us to see two things. This is what the gospel of Mark is about. He's basically posing two questions to us. He wants us to understand who Jesus is. He's the Christ. He's the king. He's the son of God who came to die on a cross for our sins. This is what he came to do, to give his life as a ransom for many. We've seen now in Mark's gospel that Jesus has shown up on the scene. He's been proclaiming the kingdom of God he's been calling people to repent and to believe in the good news of the gospel He's started calling people to follow him he has now been teaching with authority last week we saw that he is the one who's got authority in his word When he speaks, things get done, and as we said last week, Mark really wants to drive home the reality of Christ the King and the authority that he has. This is a theme that's going to ride out all the way even up through the middle parts of Mark chapter 2. But this morning, what Mark wants us to see specifically is that now that the King is on the scene, and now that he's proclaiming a gospel calling people to repent and to believe in the good news that you can now have life with God under the rule of God because King Jesus is on the scene. Really what we're going to see this morning is that this kingdom that has now arrived, found its fulfillment in Christ, isn't a stagnant sort of kingdom. It's a kingdom that is on the move. It's a kingdom that goes out and it goes Pushing itself out into the lives of people so that people who are far from God, separated from God, who need Christ the King to restore them and ransom them and redeem them and to draw them into the kingdom of God, this King is going to be the one who pushes this kingdom out into the lives of people. And really, we're going to see from this little snippet today, verses 29 through 39 that Jesus is going to advance the kingdom through healing and he's going to advance the kingdom through prayer and preaching. And So we're going to hit pause, we're going to pray, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to empower the preaching of his word, and then we're going to turn our attention to these verses. So why don't you join me as we ask God to to work in our hearts today. God, your word is as you're speaking to us, we thank you, Father, that you led our brother Mark by the Holy Spirit to relay truths concerning Christ to us. God, I'm asking that you would incline our hearts not to selfish gain, but incline our hearts to your word. That you would give us life in your word this morning. That you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word. God, I pray that You would satisfy our hearts this morning as a result of hearing Your Word and that You would unite our hearts which are so prone to be fragmented and torn and, and distant. That you would unite our heart this morning as a result of hearing your word. Because God, when we go to your word, it points us to the word of life himself, Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would put on a full-blown demonstration of the power of God this morning. As a result of hearing your words preached. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if there was ever a man who made good use of his time, it would have to be CTU agent Jack Bauer. In the hit show 24, Jack Bauer would inevitably be the one man who could get more things done in a 24-hour period of time than most people are able to accomplish in a month. So when you watch that show from sunup to sundown, sundown to sunup, and everywhere in between, Each season concentrated on a a single 24-hour period in the life of Jack Bauer. And so whether it was Bauer taking down bad guys, whether he was fighting terrorism, whenever you watched the show 24, what you were inevitably watching was basically a day in the life of Jack Bauer as he sought to advance the cause of CTU, the counterterrorism unit that that he was a part of. And whenever we turn our attention to these verses before us this morning, Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39, in essence, we get something very similar. Our brother Mark is giving us basically the New Testament version of the hit show 24. So continuing from what we saw last week when Jesus rolls into Capernaum and he goes into the synagogue, he's he's showing up there on on a Saturday morning, on on the Sabbath day. And he speaks with authority. There's authority and power in his word. But as he rolls out of that Saturday morning church service, he rolls right into our verses this morning. And this isn't a separate day and time. You can see at verse 29, we're going to read that. That Jesus and his disciples immediately leave the synagogue and they go into Simon Peter's house with his brother Andrew. And then right at the evening of sundown, they bring all to whom are sick and oppressed. In verse 35, rising very early in the morning, Jesus goes out early to pray. So, so there's something going on here that Mark wants us to see. He wants us to concentrate on this little 24-hour period, basically a day in the life of Jesus Christ as he seeks to advance The kingdom of God. And so now that the time is fulfilled, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand with my arrival. It really begins to pose the question, okay, if this really is good news, if the fact that Christ the King is on the scene, people can now be made right with God, how is this good news going to start to spread? How is it going to move out beyond Capernaum? Is this a Capernaum good news only is this a good news only for Simon Andrew James, and John and what Mark wants us to see he 's establishing very early in his gospel the good news just isn 't a good news for a few good the good news of the kingdom is the good news for everybody. everyone needs to know this good news so when we begin to ask questions like how is god 's kingdom going to move forward how is it going to advance how can people come to know who Jesus is and what he came to do? How is this going to get out, this message and this mission? Mark says, well, well listen, you just, you just need to look at no further than verses 29 through 39. Through These are a one-day snapshot in the life of Jesus, giving us a picture of how he sought to advance the kingdom through healing, through prayer, and through preaching. And so starting off in verse 29... What we first see is this, is that Jesus advances the kingdom through healing. This is verses 29 through 34. Jesus advances the kingdom through healing. And so right on the heels of healing the man with the unclean spirit, this is what we saw last week, Jesus immediately leaves the synagogue. So what we get is this picture is that Simon, Peter, the apostle Peter, his brother Andrew, their house is basically right around the corner from the church building in Capernaum. They roll out of the church building, the synagogue, and they roll right into Simon Peter and his brother Andrew's house. They enter the house along with James and John, so the four men that he's just called to follow him, they're following him. They went to church with Jesus that morning, and now church is done, and they're going, going to, to someone's house, Simon's house, Andrew's house. And upon entering this house, Mark tells us that they find Simon's mother-in-law. So Simon at one point, Peter at one point was married. He's got a mother-in-law and this mother-in-law is laying ill with fever. And immediately they told Jesus about her. So Jesus, what does he do? Jesus is the king, the king of grace, the king marked by compassion. So he comes to Simon's mother in law. He he takes her by the hand and he lifts her up. And as he does so, Mark tells us this fever, the word behind fever is really this word fire. It's like literally, she had this like fire hot fever, which was just racking her, laying her, laying her out. Upon the touch of Jesus, the fever left her. And so, as we learned last week, Jesus is the one with royal authority. But we see that he's not only the one with royal authority to heal with a word, which is what he did to the man with the unclean spirit, with a single command be quiet, you come out of him, unclean spirit, no touching whatsoever. It was just simply authoritative royal power in his words. Now that we see this royal king has this absolute power to also heal with a touch. As Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, all it took was the simple touch of Jesus, grabbing her by the hand, and immediately the fever leaves her. And I think Mark is showing us this little snapshot. It's just three verses. And so remember, when you read the Gospels, if you go to the end of the Gospel of John, John tells us if we were to try to write down everything that we could possibly know about Jesus, we would run out of volumes. There's no way we could ever write and contain everything that Jesus did. So when you read the Gospels, you've got to ask, why these things? Like, why does Mark just give us this little snapshot of Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law who just had a fever? I mean, it feels somewhat anticlimactic in regard to what he did earlier that morning. He had a big event, a Monday morning healing, an unclean spirit being cast out by the authoritative word. And now Mark just says, you know, but when he came over to, to Simon's house that afternoon, his mom, mother-in-law was just laid out with a fever and he came and he touched her and he healed her just with the power of his touch. You've got to ask, why, why, why does Mark want us to see this little, this little snapshot of, of Jesus? And I think the point is this, what Mark wants us to see, what he wants to show us is that Jesus just simply has power over sickness. Sickness doesn't have power over him. So many times we can get sick ourselves, and what does it make us feel? It makes us feel powerless. Like, it's the thing with authority over me. But then Jesus shows up on the scene, and he rolls into the house. Someone's laid out, racked out in pain, a fever that is just literally a burning, fiery hot fever. And Jesus just simply reaches down, grabs her with a touch, and lifts her up. And just through the authoritative power of his touch, the fever leaves her. Jesus is the one who has real power over sickness. Him healing Simon's mother in law shows us that Jesus is concerned with and king over the physical world, not just the spiritual world. This this truth of his authority over things spiritual and physical is going to come to a culminating point next week when we look at Jesus cleansing the leper and then healing the one who is paralyzed comes floating in through the roof. That's really going to be a huge point that Mark's going to major. But here he gives us a little little foreshadow of what's to come. Jesus is the one who is concerned with things physical and he is the king with authority over the physical world. Listen, when you come to understand this idea of sickness, what we need to understand is this, is that all sickness comes as the result of sin. Now, what I'm not saying is this, is that whenever you catch the flu, that this is sort of like God's, God's giving you, like, listen, you sinned this past week, John, so I'm going to like, sort of like smite you with the, the flu this week. I'm, I'm not saying that sickness is the result of sin in this way, but what we do understand is that when you go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you read Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, what you come to find is this, is that was a world in which sickness did not exist. Things going wrong with our bodies, things going wrong in this world, sickness, canker sores, common cold, cancer, those things came as a result of the effects of what took place in Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, when they sinned against him, choosing to believe Satan's lie over against God's truth, creation, and even we ourselves entered into the state of groaning. We moved to the place where things were no longer perfect, and we moved to a place where sin was corrupting and destroying things, destroying creation, corrupting even our bodies. See, sickness stands as a sign that the world we live in, it's not as it should be and so whenever we turn our attention to this king who can heal this king who has power even over sickness whenever you and I get a common cold or whenever we catch the flu whenever we break a bone or wherever we've got tummy troubles wherever we've got the sniffles or whatever it might be there's something I think that takes place in that world of sickness where it it causes us to go like man, like this just isn't the way things are supposed to be I think sickness has a way of stirring up longings in our in our heart for that future day when sickness will be no more. Going back to the place like it was meant to be back in the garden. See, sickness has a, a way of stirring our, our longings, giving us that inkling, like, man, like surely, right, there's someone who can fix this problem. Surely there's a person in this world who has the power to undo what sin did back in Genesis chapter 3. And when we turn our attention to these three little verses of Jesus interacting with Simon's mother-in-law who lay ill with a fever, and he can come and he can just simply touch her and heal her immediately, I think what Mark is saying, like, listen, man, Jesus is that one. Jesus is the authoritative king with his coming of his kingdom and the arrival of him on the throne. Things are not going to remain as they were. There's power and authority in this king and he can undo what sin has done. He can restore what sin has destroyed. He can reverse the effects of sin in this world. And we even see this not just in the spiritual side of things, but even in the physical side of things. Because if you want to get a picture of where we're going, Genesis 1 and 2 We find the repeat of it in Revelation 21 and 22. This whole thing is moving to a place where ultimately King Jesus is going to sit down on the throne and rest with his rule and his reign complete, saying, listen, everything in heaven and earth has been restored back to the way it was meant to be before sin came in and completely started corrupting and destroying and working its corrupting influences out in everything. And here, with the very coming of King Jesus, In Mark chapter 1, Mark is just giving us a little tiny thumbnail scratch, just showing us, like, listen, things things ain't going to be the same. King Jesus is the one who's got a power and authority even over something such as sickness, something such as a fever. He's the one with the power to to restore what sin has corrupted and destroyed. In a nutshell, what Mark is doing is he's just simply painting a picture of restoration. Restoration. If you just want to take one word and, and summarize these verses here, verses 29 through 34, it would be this single word, restoration. Because one result of the king advancing God's kingdom is that things once broken are restored back to what they were created to be. So whether it's Jesus healing many who are sick with various diseases or whether he's casting out demons, which is what he continues to do later that evening, people I think are stepping back and going, okay, like he's got authority to like to cast out demons with the word. He's got the ability to, to heal somebody with a fever, with the, with a simple touch of his hand. I think that's what verses 32 through 34 about. It's like people are starting to catch on to this. Like this guy is for real. Like he's got real authority, real power to speak and to touch and to get things done. And so people start flocking to him and there we find him healing those who are sick with diseases and casting out demons. But whether it's healing or casting out demons, what we see is that Jesus' ability to heal sickness shows he is the one invested with that necessary power, that necessary authority to restore all things. I mean, if you just think of what happened to Peter's mother-in-law, she was sick, she was debilitated, she was racked with fever. Her life, for that moment, had in a sense become useless. But what Jesus did was to restore her to what she was meant to be, a whole and a healthy woman. Jesus' authoritative touch restored God's order and purpose in her life. So I think what we're meant to do is step back and look at that event and go, here is somebody who was temporarily laid out with something that had power over them. The fever had power over Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus shows up on the scene, the one with all authority, the one with all power, showing that I can just simply touch somebody. And I can restore them. I can make them whole. I am the one who can restore order back into a person's life. I am the one who brings purpose to a life. I think that's just simply what Mark is trying to show us with these these couple of verses that revolve around Jesus healing people. But if you notice something, that whenever you go to verse 31, the response of Peter's mother-in-law was very specific Verse 31, and he came and took her by the hand. He lifted her up. The fever left her. And notice Peter's mother, mother-in-law's response there. And she began to serve them, is what Mark tells us. So once restored by Jesus, notice that she immediately gives herself in full service to the king. It wasn't, you restored me, thanks, you can leave now. It wasn't you restored me, I really wish you would leave, I've got better things to do. Thanks for restoring me, now I can get, along, get on with me being at the center of my life. It's thank you for restoring me, <laughs> what can I do to serve you now? And the link is immediate. It's not you restored me, uh, give me about a year to just sort of like go and explore myself so I can figure some things out, and maybe I'll get back to you, Jesus, if I'm really thankful after a year. The link is immediate restoration full and complete immediate service and full devotion given over to the king see when someone has a life-changing interaction with the king of kings the only proper response is to follow king jesus with full and complete devotion that is the proper response to the healing touch of the king and in this way peter's mother-in-law illustrates what it looks like to be an ambassador for the king See, now that Jesus had restored God's order and purpose in her life, she was set free to take up his cause. She was set free to advance his purposes, to advance his kingdom. And really, it's no different for you and me. Upon the moment that we repent and believe in the gospel, Jesus restores God's order. He restores God's purpose in your life, in my life, freeing us to join him on his mission of restoration. In a sense, I think that's how these verses here first apply to us. I mean, we look at them and we go, okay, man, that's, again, this is good. Jesus is advancing the kingdom through healing. But like, I'm glad for Simon Peter's mother-in-law, like she doesn't have a fever anymore. I mean, sort of like pat her on the back, but it's like, well, we have to ask that sort of so what question, like what are we meant to learn for ourselves as we turn our eyes and our hearts to verses 29 through 34? And I think it's meant to be this, we're meant to find ourselves in the place of Simon's mother-in-law. We're meant to look and go just as Jesus has the authoritative power to heal others, and restoring them back into a right relationship with God in a sense the moment that Jesus restores us back into a right relationship with God we are then released on a mission of restoration to in a sense go healing sort of like Jesus did now we don't have the power to just touch people and heal like Jesus did but we do have the power of the Holy Spirit in us to point others to the one who can restore See, you know people who are sick with sin in life People are sick with sin in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods. And just as King Jesus restored Simon, Peter's mother-in-law, releasing her, freeing her, restoring her, and she goes, man, I am going to serve you. King Jesus calls us to do the exact same thing. Now that Jesus had restored God's order and purpose in her life, she was set free to take up his cause and advance the kingdom. And it's the exact same for us. It's this, it's this idea, I think, of what it, to keep in sort of that, that same world of this idea of Jesus being the king, the kingdom coming, it's this idea of what it means to be an ambassador. That's what I just said a couple of minutes ago. What's the point of an ambassador? An ambassador is a person who goes out saying, I'm not the king, but I'm, re- I'm representing him. His cause is my cause. His purpose is my purpose. The advancement of his kingdom is, is what I live it's what I breathe to see his kingdom advance and I'm here to advance his cause and the apostle Paul I think taps into this idea of this idea of once we are restored we are now linked intimately to the advance of the kingdom of King Jesus because to follow him is to follow him in such a way where we are advancing the very thing that is at his heart, the advance of the good news of the gospel of God. And so when you go to a, a text like 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, the Apostle Paul is writing very similar words to the, the idea we see here in Mark chapter 1. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away behold the new has come that's that idea of restoration if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation you once were not a new creation you were a sin-filled corrupted and destroyed piece of creation then King Jesus came and with a touch he healed you of your sin sickness and now you're a new creation the old has passed away that's not who you who you were there was an old before Jesus John and there's a now alive in Christ, John. I am a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The good news of the gospel restores us. Paul continues by saying, "All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself, in turn, giving us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Here it is. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Paul's using the word reconcile, but that word reconcile is the same idea of being restored. So, what we now have is Jesus restoring us, making us new creations. All this is admittedly from God, who through Christ reconciled, restored us to himself. So now sinners are being made right with God. They're restored back into a relationship with him. And in turn, what God does is then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Paul says, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How was he doing that? By entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. So if you're standing here this morning, sitting here this morning, going, King Jesus has healed me of my sin sickness, then what you need to know is that you're an ambassador for Christ. In a sense, you've got this power to be able to go and heal others, not a power that's invested in you, but because of the power of Christ in you to be able to go, listen, friend, like there's some sickness in your life. I can't heal you with a touch, but I can point to the one who can heal you with a touch. I can't speak an authoritative word into you, but I can point you to the word of life who has the power to be able to completely heal you of the sin disease that has corrupted and destroyed your heart. To have been touched by Christ, to have been restored by Christ, means that we are now released given the ministry of reconciliation where the king's mission of restoration becomes our mission as one who has been restored. This is one way that you and I are able to advance God's kingdom. So Mark shows us that Jesus advances the kingdom through healing, but he also shows us that King Jesus advances the kingdom through prayer and preaching. Jesus advances the kingdom through prayer and preaching, 35 through... Verse 39. So it's a Sabbath day. It's over now. The day of the week is Sunday. Sunday morning. After a day of teaching. Healing a man with an unclean spirit. Healing Peter's mother-in-law. Then... Verse 34: Healing many who were sick with various diseases and casting out many demons, you would sort of expect that the next morning King Jesus would be taking a snooze. That's a big. That's a big day. That's a hefty load. But what's King Jesus doing on the next day? That was pre-dawn hours of the following morning. He's rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. He departed and he went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Simon and his cronies, a little miffed. Jesus isn't doing what, what they want him to do. And so they go searching for him. They found him, and with an air of disgust in their voice, bro, everyone's looking for you. All right, what are you doing out here? To which Jesus replies, uh, we need to get on to the next town. I need to go and preach there also. This is why I came out. And then Jesus went throughout all Galilee preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. So in the pre-dawn hours of the following day, we glimpsed the strategy of the king. We glimpsed the strategy of the king. Prayer and preaching is the power behind God's advancing kingdom. See, the people in Capernaum are grabbing the wrong end of the stick, weren't they? Jesus healing. Jesus, Jesus doing miracles authority with the word authority with the touch he's looking at people and they're like listen this is the big deal i mean if you just think about this right simon andrew james and john they're here with jesus right now a couple weeks ago we said they cashed in everything remember they had a lucrative fishing business they were making money they had employees for that kind of business to exist in their in their families and that day was a big deal jesus just shows up on the scene and mark says jesus looks at him and says follow me I want you to forsake everyone and everything and follow me. And the idea of Mark's text is like that next morning, like there they are. They're in the synagogue. And then all of a sudden, like Jesus is with an authoritative word, cleansing an unclean spirit out of a man. Then they're rolling in like church is over. It's like, man, let's go get some food. We go in the house. It's like, oh, mom hasn't fixed any food. Like this is a problem. Jesus heals with a touch. And then that night, people were banging on the door and rolling in. So like in the 24-hour period of time, you can sort of guess that these disciples are going like, man, we just made a really sweet decision, did we not? Like, like it was sort of iffy, like he told us to follow him. We're like, oh, I don't know, should we do it? Should we not do it? But man, like within the first 24 hours, we see Jesus rocking pure, raw, absolute royal authority. Day two, let's do it. Rinse and repeat. And they wake up in the morning and they're like where where is the guy like time's ticking time's a wasting we got a crowd we need to get things going like jesus we don't have time for prayer we need to do more healings after all isn't this how the kingdom is going to advance and sort of with an air of rebuke in his voice peter and his cronies show up they're like listen uh everyone's looking for you sir get back into Capernaum we don't have time for you to be doing these sorts of things and what we see is that in this misplaced rebuke Simon and I would argue Andrew James and John they failed to see that God's kingdom wasn't mainly going to advance through the working of just miracles The kingdom of God is going to advance here on earth through prayer. Prayer. The one thing that feels so intangible, the one thing that feels so ineffective, Michael Bates, tell me to go do something and I'll feel like I'm being effective for the kingdom. Michael Bates, you come and tell me that I just need to spend half hour in prayer on my knees begging the Lord of heaven and earth to change sin-hardened hearts the enemy's going to whisper in my ear, bro, you could have spent that 30 minutes a lot better, couldn't you? See, we have a problem whenever you and I walk into a place and we begin to assume that doing things for Christ is more effective than just spending an hour in prayer with Christ. But if we're going to ever be a church, if we're ever going to be a community group, if we're ever going to be a people who sees a true, pure, genuine move of God, Whether it's at Illinois State University, whether it's at UIS, whether it's in the Washington Knowles neighborhood right around the corner, if we're ever going to see my neighbors come to a saving faith, it's going to come as you and I bend our knees and beg the king with royal authority to do what the king with royal authority can do, which is change the hearts of men. See, it's not ineffective. It's not a waste for you and I to bend our knees in prayer. King Jesus modeled this for us. I mean, he's look what he's doing. He's, he just had a phenomenal first day of ministry. But instead of just writing that out, assuming, you know what, I'm just going to assume this is just going to be the way it is every day and I don't really need to have any communion time with my Father. What you find is King Jesus going, man, I've got to to have communion time with my Father in prayer. This is how the kingdom is going to roll forward in advance in the lives of people who need the kingdom of God to roll forward in advance in their lives. And so that's why Jesus basically looks at the disciples and he says, listen, we need to tuck out of here. We need to roll on to the next towns. I've got to go and preach. That's why I came out. So what you see is the crowds at Simon Peter's house. They came for the miracles. They wanted more miracles, but apparently the call to repent and believe in the gospel that wasn't on their radar at all. They just they wanted miracle, miracle Jesus. They didn't want to repent and believe Jesus. And like so many people today, they just simply wanted the Jesus of their own liking. Have you ever been in that place before, like where you sort of crafted Jesus in your own image? You pick something that you like of him and then you just grasp onto that and you hold on tight, but then like you sort of like just lift your eyes up one day or God graciously gives you eyes to see from a text, and you're like, oh no, like like, I've been crafting a Jesus in my own image. I want miracle only Jesus. I don't want repent and believe Jesus. I want the Jesus who will do for me, not the Jesus who says you need to forsake everyone and everything and follow me. Like that Jesus isn't super popular. The miracle gimme handout Jesus, super popular. And Jesus who knows what's in the hearts of men Knows something about the hearts of the people in Capernaum. They're looking at him going, We don't want repent and believe. We want the miracles. Give it to us. And Jesus says, We've got to roll. We've got to roll. We need to move on to the next town. I need to go and preach. I need to go call others to repent and believe in the gospel. The people of Capernaum, they just simply fail to understand that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is on mission. He knows that I've got to preach, I need to proclaim. There's people who are literally dying and going to hell because they don't know the good news of God. That you can have life with Him. You can be restored by Him. And people need to know. And it's in this way that we too, like Jesus, can advance the kingdom through prayer and preaching. We just talked about prayer a couple of minutes ago. See, it's not that we just go, man, Jesus, I'm so glad you spent time in prayer. I really hope that that was really... Effective for you we're not meant to look at this and go good for him not really a big deal for me We're meant to go no because we are ambassadors now linked to the king We also are called to bend our knee in prayer and come to the father and say God We need you to do a work in the lives of people and That's how Christ's kingdom can advance in your neighborhood in Your place of work in your family to your children to your parents who may not know Jesus We get so easily frustrated in those moments. But the question is, are you being an ambassador who is praying like the king? Saying, man, I don't know much, but I've got to give 30 minutes over to praying for my friend who doesn't know Jesus. Man, I'll be honest with you. I don't often live this way. I don't. Give me a checklist. I'll knock it out. Tell me to pause and pray for 30 minutes. I feel so ineffectual ineffective but now we have King Jesus saying I've got to go, go and preach it's the same thing for us, ambassadors are those who proclaim I'm not saying you need to bust out a pulpit and write a sermon manuscript and roll into work tomorrow morning, Monday <coughs> everybody turn to Mark chapter 1 I'm not saying you've got to do that but there is a way that you can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ by being a blessing to others by taking those opportunities that God gives. When your co worker is talking about the brokenness in his life and he's got no clue because it's just purely related to the brokenness of sin, you can open your mouth and go, Brother, can I share something with you? God's design in your life, it's a, it ain't there because sin has broken it and destroyed it, but there's an antidote to the brokenness of sin, and it's called the good news of Jesus Christ, it's called the gospel. That was just me using the three-circle stuff that we talked about a couple months ago. And it's simple conversations like that. Those, those small moments of gospel proclamation over a long period of time where you just faithfully step into those moments that God one day awakens a person a year down the road, six months down the road, all of a sudden that friend goes, like, what, what has just changed? Like something's not different. Like I'm seeing Jesus differently. We've got testimonies of people in our church. That is their testimony. You go and you talk to someone like Darren. You go to talk to someone like Chris. You go and you, you talk to someone like Angela. That That's part of their testimonies. Like someone just came up to me and said, man, can I share something about Jesus with you? Okay. And that journey led to the place where all of a sudden they're now here confessing Christ. They're confessing to be those people who have been touched and restored by the King. So here's how we're going to end this morning. We're just going to end on a note of prayer. If you're a believer here this morning, if you can look at this and go like, man, yeah, like, like King Jesus, he's, he's touched me, he's saved me. Like, I'm different. He has healed my sin-sick heart with his raw, authoritative, absolute royal power. He has saved me. Our prayer is going to be simple this morning. We're just going to pray and ask God to empower us to see people with compassion like Jesus saw people with compassion. That we would go out on that, that healing, restorative mission, looking for places where we can go and say, I know the king. Can I tell you about them, so that we can pray for those people, and then proclaim like Christ proclaimed? There's a chance that some of us here this morning are unbelievers. You're you're on a Jesus journey. You're wrestling with this question: Who is Jesus, and what did he what did he come to do? Like I, I don't know. Like I'm genuinely trying to figure these sorts of things out. For you this morning, it's it's less praying for God to empower you to 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 pray and preach like jesus to, to restore like jesus but it's more of a just a prayer for you to go like listen i just need to first have my sin sickness healed and the good news is we have a picture of a king who delights to heal those who are sick to heal those who are wrapped not with fever but wrapped with the troubles and the stains and the toils of sin king jesus can speak a word king jesus can touch and he can imi- heal you immediately today and so you're your response this morning is less praying for God help me to live like you and it's just praying God heal me by the power and the authority of the king. So somewhere this morning my assumption is you fall in these two categories and I'm going to ask you just to pray appropriately. I'm going to pray out loud. I'm asking you not just to sit there but to just join me in prayer as we pray in light of what we just heard. God you are the king with royal authority. God, I love it. God, I love that Christ is the one with royal authority. When he speaks, things happen. When he touches, he has authority over things that seem like they should have authority over us. God, my prayer is that you would do a great work in the lives of those of us who have been healed of our sin sickness. That God, that you would empower us to leave here this morning as those who have been healed, as those who have been restored, that we would go out in turn on a, on a restoration mission as ambassadors for King Jesus, simply living lives of prayer and proclamation, pointing people to the power of the gospel found in Jesus Christ. God, would you awaken us, give us eyes to see these things. God, for those of us here this morning who are just trying to figure this Jesus thing out, God, my prayer is that you would do a healing work in their lives. That you would, one, show them, take the scales off their eyes and show them they are genuinely sick with sin. And sin sickness is a disease that leads to eternal death. And they need to be healed of this sin sickness so that... They can be restored back to a relationship with God the Father. God, I pray that right now that you would just help them to see the power of Christ and His authority, His ability, the right that belongs to Him as the King to be able to even heal them now in this moment of their sin, sickness. God, restore hearts this morning. Restore hearts even now. Reconcile people to yourself. We pray all of these things in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our King.